welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Colin. I'm Caleb. And I'm not returning from my trip. This week, we bring you on We Call It Soccer another full slate of MLS games as just about every other league, including the NWSL, takes some time off for the World Cup. This week, the New York Times published a list of things you can say about different World Cup teams to sound intelligent about them. Because, you know, there's always a bunch of teams in the World Cup that you're like, I never watched these people play. I probably couldn't recognize anybody on this team. And I'm still going to have to say something intelligent about them when I'm sitting at the bar at like 7 in the morning. And the New York Times has decided to give you a guide to this. For example, I mean, I know absolutely nothing, like zero, about Tunisia's soccer team. However, it says, hopefully the squad can overcome the domestic rivalry of Esperance and Etoile du Sahel to come together. See, I sounded really intelligent there, didn't I? It, it sounds like gibberish to me. I've no, <laughs> I also have no idea what you, what I've, you said. I've, I've heard of Esperance. I didn't realize they had any peers in the league. All right, all right. listen to this one. France. The irony of this quarterfinal exit is that France could have named an entire other squad and done just as well. I like that one because the Zooms are going out in the quarterfinals, which I don't know. I mean, I hope not. I you picked got... them to win in my upcoming World Cup preview on 55-1. Oh, really? I think yeah. I've got them semis, yeah. So, how, how about this for Egypt? Caleb, you might like this one. Salah's form has been spectacular, but I still wonder what Muhammad Abu Trikal could have done if he'd moved to Europe. I mean, I could have just said that myself without even reading that. It's like right out of my, right out of my brain. I mean, you knew yeah. that. Just like, for example, Colin would know that for Saudi Arabia, I really feel that Fahad Al-Muvalad could have offered something to Levante if only he'd been given a chance. I really don't think anything could have offered anything to Levante. Sorry. Wow, strong opinions oh, about wow. Levante. I think hey. I, need, I, I need something intelligent to say about Levante, apparently, because <laughs> uh, I know nothing about Levante. They're the one with, like, they're the, the leader team with, like, the giant bat as their... No, that's symbol. Valencia. No, the, isn't there a giant, another giant bat? I might be confused. Let, uh, uh, let me turn yeah. to Papa Google, but while I do, I wanted to ask you, yeah, it does. It has, like, the bat. Boom! Boom, Colin. Some of us are wearing headphones and have to listen to the screaming in our heads. It, it was, sorry. You know, that's what it sounds like, right? Like for one hour every week, you guys are the voices in my head, literally. Like, Is that it? Oh, okay. There are those late night conference calls where I take the most important decisions in my life and have you guys opine about them. But uh, that's not neither here nor there. What I was going to ask you, though, is... Now, say our listeners, you know, some of them are not ardent MLS fans who watch every single game every week, just like us. Like, we watch everything. Yes. So, but our, some of our listeners are not like that. Like, they don't watch every single game like we do. So, they might, it might help them to have some of these, like, lines to say about MLS teams. And I was trying to think, like, what would we say about different MLS teams? And I, I got one for NYCFC. I came up with that, which right. is that... Um, has Patrick Vieira's time at NYCFC proven that international managers can actually succeed in MLS? Mm. Right? Mm. So that's something to think about. Sounds intelligent. Probably sparks like two minutes of chit-chat. Uh, poorly informed. <laughs> so um, you, you got one for me? Any, any, any other teams that we can think of? Uh, Seattle. Um, 
You know the season would be doing a lot better if Jordan Morris hadn't torn his ACL earlier this year. Uh, Dempsey just isn't up to snuff anymore. That's that's a good one. That See? is that is brilliant. And then um, then that dovetails into a World Cup conversation about Dempsey. And how you know. soccer was invented there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say Colorado. Um, it's stark to look at the differences in generations with MLS teams, with Colorado specifically, um, still being in that MLS 1.0 range of thinking that League Two players are worth five hundred thousand a year. Too long. Yeah. Too long. We, a little we, too heavy. Too. Yeah. Sorry. That that the, the that, average starter player won't know what MLS 1.0 means. That that's when I like nod and then keep drinking Guinness and ignore you for the mm-hmm. rest of the ninety minutes. Yeah. So, um, much like this podcast most of the time. Hey! <laughs> you don't drink Guinness during the podcast. I have if you, never done that. Yeah, actually. come on. Like very early. Ooh, um, Miami Fusion. Aren't they coming back? <laughs> <laughs> Just around the corner. Just around the corner. I think for Houston, I would go with uh, DeMarcus Beasley's form this year. Makes a strong case for the fountain of life existing in Houston. <laughs> I think that one. I think that's actually yeah. yeah that, that's not too bad. What would we even do for Minnesota United? Have you thought of that one? We're good. We're good. The, oh, okay. I think you the, got it. The front four is building chemistry, but there's nothing com- connecting them to the back line. I don't know something like that. Yeah. Um. I. I would say. It's a fascinating experiment to see all of the talent pushed as far away from the center as possible. Mm, that that could be a little technical, but I like where you're going. It's weird to think at this point in the season, we need a left winger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how, how about this one? How about this one? Minnesota United's experiment with replacing their Brazilians with players from young players from other South American countries seems to be progressing well. Uh, just for the listener, if you are using any of these lines, make sure to take a sip of beer after you finish your line to really add an effect. And, and allow other people who know more than and you to jump in and like yeah. continue talking so you can keep quiet and after you've sounded really smart. Yeah, and then just agree with the points that seem to get the most nods around the circle or on around the bar. Maybe we should do that after we say something smart to stop talking on the podcast for a little <laughs> while and let the listener like, you know... Talk amongst themselves because, of course, people gather in groups to listen to us. Yeah, I mean, we could turn this into like the blues clues of soccer podcasts. I, I agree. Where people are supposed to just scream in agreement. There we go. All right, well, let's now move into our first segment of this episode and a segment that we call United Passions. Our sport has a bright future ahead. In United Passions, we talk about the United we are most passionate about, which is, of course, Minnesota United FC, who have an experienced center in Golden Valley, Minnesota. I visited said experience center. I don't think either of you have had the chance to do this, have you? Not yet, nope. no. It's essentially a group of really nice-looking blown-up photos on the wall, an explanation of the crest, some things about their values, and a few other things on the wall that the tour guide points to and talks about, and then shows you a bunch of videos about Allianz Field, uh, and then you get to see the... The, the online sc- seat viewer, basically you get to get, see that on like a big screen. So uh, I think the coolest part of it will though is at the end where you get to do two things. One is you get to take a picture with some scarves uh, and a backdrop that includes uh, Robert, uh, Elise, Elisa, Katie Jarvie, 
And there's one other person who I'm not forgetting. It's it's a photo of the the four of them in the dark cloud section holding up scarves, and you get to hold up your scarf <laughs> and take four, four like photo booth style photos in front of them. So, so basically, what we do every every Saturday, every other weekend, yeah. yeah like like the tour guide pointed to me and like said like, do you want to do this? And I was like, I'm pretty sure when this photo was taken, I was four feet to the left <laughs> holding <laughs> my scarf. So or yelling into my phone. Either yeah, one. Either way, um, they were staring at me during this. No, nah, she should have brought a microphone and like pointed at the at the picture and like yelled into it <laughs> well there was also uh, w- one of the other things that was and i think this was the coolest thing for me of going to the experience center was that there was a flag that's going to be flown about the inaugural game and we all got to sign our names initially i think they wanted to frame this flag because they had one side with all the signatures of the season ticket holders however yeah. they had to move to the second side by the time i got there so it's like well, half the people aren't going to have their signature shown if we frame this thing, so we got to fly it. And it's going to be all the rich people that signed at first and got the better seats. Right. You know, you know where <laughs> I signed, actually? I signed between the loon neck and the wing. There's a little, like, gap there with of the blue, and I, I put my name there. So Nice. I'll, I'll look for it. When it's flying above the supporter section. It's just like staring at your binoculars really intently looking at the sky. And it's like, Taylor's like, what are you doing? I'm trying to catch Notch's knee. I'm all trying I can, to find Notch. All I can see is the sun and it hurts. <laughs> it's like Donald Trump on the the, 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 the Truman balcony. Anyway. Uh, is this all just an attempt to not have to talk that much about the U.S. Open Cup game, I mean, by the way? Do we want to talk much about the U.S. I Open Cup game? I mean, we won. Game? We won. Yeah. Okay. We won five. on penalties. So, so, Fine. so to recap, for those who have already blocked this out of their memory, nil-nil against FC Cincinnati midweek, goes to penalties. Uh, yeah. Minnesota was tired, you could tell. Rotated side. We saw Colin Warner on the field for the first time in a long time. Out of the... Was Keith's he holding up house. a newspaper saying, I'm alive, tell <laughs> people, I need a ransom paid for me. He wasn't, but he did a nice yellow card in there somewhere. Uh, Bobby's played really well. The defensive line played pretty well. And then penalties... Ramirez, Coleman, and uh, Martin all dr- buried theirs. I, I think you mean Martinez, Calman, and Martin. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you complain about Cal and Kendra, don't anymore because the, the almost said uh, St. Louis, <laughs> the Cincinnati <Yeah>. announcers <laughs> are terrible. I mean, the U.S. Open Cup every year is an opportunity for us to remember that our broadcast teams are excellent and have always trumped other Broadcast teams, if if uh, Univision guy who spooges on tape <laughs> isn't evidence enough in MLS, like, at least we now know, based on these FC Cincinnati guys who got names wrong. Names wrong, backgrounds wrong. Um, they thought that uh, Carter Manley went to Maryland, he went to Duke. They didn't, couldn't tell which one was Superman or Batman between Ibarra and Ramirez. They called Ramirez Martinez, they called Matsumiano Matsumino. Um, just ridiculous. And also, did you know this? The Cincinnati attack is one of the best attacks in the world, you guys. <laughs> they It's only a matter of time before they put like three past this Bradford Shuttlecock or whatever his name is. <laughs> Didn't they say something about like our crest too? Or like the... Or they were, they, they, oh, they, they said, said like... The, they, they said the, 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 they're called the loons and we don't know why. No, they're called the loons because of the state bird. <laughs> no, it's just the, of the crest is the loon. That's just the nickname, and yeah. it's, it's not a really. Is it? I don't think it, it's even an official nickname, but yeah, it's. It, uh, I'm glad that they're gone, and right. I hope they. 
I, I hope they hire somebody else <laughs> yeah. next hope year. Hope they lose their jobs. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. So anyway, Minnesota has now got to play Houston in the next round. Oh, wait. Um, yes, uh, it's June 18th, so coming up pretty soon here. Yep. It'll be our next game that we play. Yawn. It, yeah, I mean... I, I wish I was more excited. Making this... This uh, to the next round is a great achievement for Minnesota as they haven't been this far in a, in a while. I will say that I used to be really excited for the U.S. Open Cup when I thought our team was competitive and could actually win this whole thing. But I don't think this team has a chance of winning this actual, like the tournament itself. So for me, it's kind of a distraction at this point. It's That's kind fair. of my logic. Because Honestly, in, yeah. in the past, I've been one of those U.S. Open Cup really matters, y'all. Not this year. I mean, it's supposed to matter. It's just the fact that a, we have a team that shouldn't be competing in it. Like, we should be focusing more of our energies on MLS. And B, you know, as an MLS team, we don't really have any of the magic of, hey, we get to play teams that are in the higher division. Yeah. Well, Minnesota United player Francisco Calvo is off at the World Cup at the moment. So is Minnesota United legend Johan Venegas. Rasmus Schuler. 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 Schuler called up by Finland. Yes. Yeah. I was. I, was, I didn't know how long you're gonna go on with that, so I was gonna yeah. interrupt you on the fourth Schuler, but you stopped. So yay. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so some international call ups for our loons. Well, let's now move into a segment called the top step. But the cream rise to the top. Oh yeah. In the Top Steps segment, we cover the latest news from America's Division One Leagues, Major League Soccer, and the NWSL. First up for Major League Soccer, Philadelphia going down at home to Toronto, who scored two goals. Yeah, Toronto uh, back on track with a Jonathan Osorio brace. Um, Foda Fafa, Peto de Dio had a, almost a great game. Wait, wait, I think you need to slow that down. Foda Fafa. Fudu Fafa. Fudu Fafa. Fudu Fafa. Fudu Fafa. Sorry, it's I didn't... Flight of the Concord song. <sighs> I'm sorry, I haven't watched that in a while. Okay. Fudu Fafa, Peter Dial, almost had a great game. He hit the, tr- the post, I think, twice, and then had a one-on-one saved by Bono. Uh, the goalkeeper, not the lead trainer for U2. should be known that Bono, lead trainer for U2, does not play soccer. He's, so far as we know, he yeah. might have a double life we, yeah. that we're not aware of. I, I will say this, Bono, very short, probably would not be a good goalkeeper. Is he very short? Yeah, he's like 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, okay. He's be like a tan like Quintero. Yeah. He just lives large. So, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this was the week that goalkeepers mostly screwed up, and we're going to get to that. But uh, in this game, it was a terrible giveaway in the final third by Philadelphia that led to Osorio's second goal, Giovinco getting the assist on that one. So the mistakes started fairly early in this uh, this week. Philadelphia did have an equalizer called offside. Correct. Rightfully so, yes. Yes. NYCFC played Atlanta to a 1-1 draw in a fairly exciting game. Yeah, uh, Duzan Duzan did well. I mean, did well by standing still and letting all the New York City shots hit him because they shot directly at him for most of the second half. Uh, You're not giving him much credit, and I love it. (laughs) Uh, Justin Martinez um, scores for Atlanta. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. He's kind of a flat-track bully for me, honestly. But Although... uh, 
how can he be a flat track bully scoring against NYCFC? Most of his hatchets come against teams with red cards. Well, yeah, I get that, but you know, and that's most of his goals, obviously, because they're hat tricks and <laughs> like. <laughs> I, 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 anyway, uh, Alex, City, yeah, Alex Callens, um, diving header off of a corner that was headed in, flicked on by David Villa. Uh, New York City hit the post three times during this game. What really did the post ever do to them? Slept um, with their wives. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, Holy I said it. We all, we're all pussyfooting around it. It has definitely happened. That's a very old saying. <laughs> but, but, I mean, we should, it, it happened, guys. Just like John okay. Hartz and Eric Ronaldo in the 1998 World Cup. Spoilers, American Fiesta was great. Okay, L- m- moving right along. Yes. Uh, Patrick Vieira was announced as a head coach of Nietzsche. Head nice. <laughs> no, your nice. name is Notch. Notch. Your name is Notch, not Nietzsche. Notch. Patrick Vieira is just my like head life coach now. <laughs> no, Patrick Vieira is now the head coach of Friedrich Nietzsche. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh no. So, anyway, I, I, I do have to mention that when he was announced as head coach of Nice, the OGC Nietzsche in um, Liga, it was first announced by Man City. I believe they got the timing wrong. And so the announcement came out through Man City. So everyone got really upset about how NYCFC is just a farm team. See, their coach is leaving and it's being announced by Man City. Anyway, uh, it was just probably a mistake. Then after he, the announcement was actually made, NYCFC announced that Dominic Torrent... Uh, pretty sure that's probably pronounced Dominic Toron or some crap like that. Has been named their new head coach. He is the former head coach of Girona and for 11 years has been assistant to ye old Pep Guardiola, described as Pep Guardiola's right-hand man at Manchester City. He's also been at Barcelona and Bayern Munich with Pep. So safe to say that this guy comes with a little bit of pedigree. Tiny, tiny bit. Yeah, but bit. at the same time, it also plays into the whole... New York City or the farm team if they're getting the yeah. nah it really yeah. doesn't I'm but, sorry I mean, yeah, but it, I, I wanted to make that terrible take and I, I just couldn't no. I couldn't they're getting an ultra talented guy who needs to prove himself that is this is he's basically the Alex Hunter of coaching <laughs> you know coming over to MLS to prove himself fairly certain a he's job. a little bit older than Alex Hunter one will meet his estranged half sister I don't know. You should ask Dominic Torr. We should keep track of this. Uh, Columbus, speaking of estranged half-sisters. Uh, <laughs> Wait, which one is it? Columbus or the Red Bulls? <laughs> Either way. Uh, Columbus, the estranged half-sister of Major League Soccer, and uh, New York Red Bulls, the estranged half-sister of New York, the Red Bulls, soccer, life as we know it. It's Monster energy. Yeah. 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 They... Um, they, they played a 1-1 tie. And, and Zardes, he scored. What has Jesse Zardes done for the crew? That was the question asked by the commentator, to which he responded to his own question. He has done nothing, and then paused for like a, a pregnant moment and said, but score goals. But I, I really wanted him just to stop. I feel like he had 2017 notes instead. I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, shoot. Uh, but score! Oh, he has I, multiple I, goals in this I, year. So, good hold on, I'm, I'm hearing from my producer. Oh, oh yes, he has scored goals all season long. I think for Columbus, yes. my, you know, that, that, that like one-liner we were talking about in the intro, I think for Columbus it would be, well, most people are focusing on their move to Austin. I think the real story in Columbus is the redemption of Giassi Zardes. 
Now, see, that was, I mean. That's actually really yeah, good. That is a good one. You should tweet that out. I should. I should. I really should. Um, New York Red Bulls, second half team. You know, like the Minnesota United Twitter account always says, we're a second half team. Turns we're Red down Bulls. like 5 nothing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I think uh, Jesse Marsh is just a good coach. He saw what New York was doing wrong in the first half and made adjustments, and they dominated the second half. Uh, Columbus really should have gone ahead by multiple goals in the first half. Hitting the post multiple times, and then it, it paid off with uh, in second half for Red Bulls with the second half goal by I don't Alex remember Mule. Alex Mule. Yeah, yep. the, so mule, the mule. Yeah. The, the, there are rumors of Jesse Mark going on to RB Leipzig. We also heard that the RB Leipzig coach had turned down the New York job. And uh, moving along, Alfonso Davies apparently one guy beat Orlando five to two. Uh, I mean, it definitely it definitely uh, looks like that. He was he was certainly outrunning every single person on the field for Orlando. Uh, Vancouver gets a goal in three assists from the teenager Alfonso so, Davies. Okay, so that's what they meant because the commentators on this game said he got a goal in three setups, and I was like, "What's a setup?" I don't. I mean, I'm not like one of those guys who's like, guys, you said offsides. Obviously, you know nothing about football or footy, as we call it. And I bet you call it a jersey. We call it a shirt. Like, I don't care about other stuff. But what's a setup? Like, at least I should be able to understand what you're saying. I mean, I feel like I've never heard the words setup. When was the last time you were in Canada? Uh, good question, actually. Ooh, yeah, you probably years have forgotten. Fall 2016. Okay, oh, that's yeah, very recent. Yeah, far more recent than <laughs> us. Uh, but uh, things are a little different up there, eh? Yeah, is this like hockey parlance, or or is this like, you know, uh, it might be. It I could be. I don't is, watch is it, a lot it, of Canadian commentators, and when I watch hockey, is really. it is it a, a, a like a, a step in the poutine? Like, there's a step that now comes the set. You don't step in the poutine. That that's like a line from a Bond movie, I think, or something. Like, you don't step into the poutine, Mister Bond. No, I do what I want. Bang, 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 and he shoots everybody. I'm I'm actually fairly certain it's the Canadian version of Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Nobody steps in the poutine in the corner. <laughs> okay, so we did get one equalizer in this game, which Orlando scored through a new wunderkind for them, Sasha Kleschin. We also saw Will Johnson being a angry emoji Grown man. baby? Yeah, he his face his looks face like an was emoji. like a, a yeah, it's like a toddler got put onto like a thirty whatever old he is yeah. body. It's very unsettling. It it really is. Um, it's like if John Mulaney were an asshole. <laughs> we did. We did have a, a a red card in this game. Yeah, Mohamed El Minir uh, gets a second yellow, just shoved down uh, Jake Nowinski for. Uh, yeah, it was a tactical foul. But if you're on a yellow, you don't do tactical fouls. Yeah, They're going to get you no, a yellow mistake. FC Dallas played Montreal and got a two nil victory at home. They had a fifth minute goal called off for offside. And then VAR realized that this was possibly the most Montreal of goals ever. Montreal defender headed the ball back, and it bounced off his fellow defender. Yeah. And into the goal. This was, I mean, a good job, Montreal. I mean, they were like, soccer, this whole thing for us, too easy. We got to yeah. help the other team out, and uh, we got to give them a goal. So we're brave of them. It's that kind of incompetence on the soccer field that makes you just, you're not even mad. You're just like, that was just fantastic. You stand up and start clapping. Like that Shia diff. 
Second goal did come off a penalty, and then basically nothing else happened except for a hilarious miss towards the end of the game. Yeah, by uh, Ken Krolicki, um Montreal, really good at hilarious misses. Yeah. Was not as good as Tyler Smith, though. Right, 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 right. Chicago tied New England 1-1, and I think the thing that I want to talk about here is the fact that Bastian Schweinsteiger was given miles of space by the Revs defenders, which... Who does that? Who looks at Bastian Schweinsteiger and says, mm, you know what I want to do here? Give him lots of space to shoot the ball. And, and you know, I, I feel like that's a good move for me as a player. Like, as a defender, I should do that. I mean, he, he was able to wrestle out his mark, which it... But there was no one to step up. Yeah. No one stepped up. And yeah, there was just the amount of, Again, yeah, the amount of space, space. Yeah, the amount of space after he beat his mark, was just ridiculous. There was enough space there that the Russians had launched their new space station into that little zone that Bastion Schweinsteiger in, moved into. In Bridgeview? Right. Oh, wow. That I is, mean, it is really far. That is very, Bridgeview is yeah. very far. Yeah, okay? sure. yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if Bridgeview has had humans explore it before. This could be an episode of Star Trek we're talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are people in the crowd. Uh, are we I sure think- they're humans? Ooh, good point. And also, there are fire fans. So we did get a question from a listener today. Speaking of the crowd, I had brought up, asked for questions, and we got two. And a listener who I am trying to identify at the moment, uh, so I can give him some credit. Uh, yeah, Jared Katzmark asks, what were your views on the fire and their issues with their SGs? Which, there was some drama, llama, llama, drama this week as Chicago Fire revoked the season tickets for the entire Sector 101, a.k.a. Sector Latino, their Latino supporters group. Colin, can you explain what happened before we get into why what we think is right or wrong? It's a generally unfortunate situation. Um, Sector Latino has according to the team, had a number of security incidents in the past, um, a few of them stemming from some fights between uh, fire supporters and Houston Dynamo fans. I mean, literal fights. Yeah, yeah, like knives being shown fights. So bottles being clinked on three fingers fights. Yeah. Coordinated dance routine fights. Dynamo, come out and play. Okay, okay, maybe you shouldn't be making light of this, but anyway. Yeah, probably not. Um, But in any case, um, Sector Latino was apparently given kind of a a last chance warning to um, get things cleaned up. And then at a recent game, there was someone that popped a couple of smoke bombs who apparently wasn't actually part of the section, was just kind of over there. Um, Security wasn't able to identify who it was, nor were um, kind of their section leaders. Uh, But as a result, uh, Chicago revoked the season tickets for everyone in Sector Latino and also refunded any single-game tickets that were purchased in Section 101 for the game. In response to that, um, the ISA, which... ISC, go- I ISC, believe. sorry, yeah. Um, basically, the governing council of all the supporters groups in, in Chicago. Chicago. Oh, that's yeah. the ISA, my bad. Not yeah. the, uh, the overall supporters yeah. group places the ISC. Keep okay, yeah. Anyway, yeah. the ISA. Yeah, so ISA... Um, 
announced that they were going to be supporting a boycott of the game um, to stand up for the people in Sector Latino. You could definitely tell with the crowd that it was even more Bridgeview-tastic than normal. Um, it was pretty quiet. There weren't any coordinated chants going on. And Section 8 in particular was probably a quarter full, if that. So the fire then responded to this by detailing all of the incidents that they were sanctioning Sector Latino for. Uh, this is a minefield to walk into for anybody because I think there are some Minnesota United fans who have issues with the traveling contingent of Chicago Fire fans who did come to our game here when when they were playing away in Minnesota and there was a beer chucked into some kids who were yeah. standing in front of the away supporters. The allegation being that these were members of Sector Latino who did this. This is contested by Chicago Fire supporters. It's hard to know where to draw the line. Certainly, if, if what the Chicago Fire has said in their incidents is true, um, I'm somewhat sympathetic to the fire. However, it's also not hard to see that Sector Latino has felt aggrieved with moves that the Chicago Fire have made in terms of trying to move them. Uh, I think that was two years ago or a year yep. ago. I can't remember. They were attempted to move. And the relationship between the Fire FO and their supporters group has not been great. So... It's hard for me to know who is right or wrong here, who's telling the truth, and and what's correct. Um, I I, th I think one of the other key issues is that um, supporters of every stripe with the Chicago Fire have had a lot of issues with the security company that's contracted out at Toyota Park. Um, by many accounts that I've read from them, um, They've done a poor job with not only proactively keeping crowds under control, but then also when incidents arise, figuring out who exactly it was that was the perpetrator. Um, one of the things that uh, the ISA was talking about in terms of what sort of reasonable way to get this straightened out um, is to include more self-policing. I, I frankly think that self-policing is a great idea so long as you do have the respect of all of the fans in the section to police yourself. I'm not entirely sure if that's the case with Chicago right now. I would just also, to, to kind of conclude this discussion, reflect on the fact that our relationships in Minnesota between the FO and the supporters group are really good in terms of working together to create something special yeah working out disputes yeah. and maintaining the fact the independence of the supporters groups while also maintaining this good relationship so anyway with that it's time now for us to take a quick break really quick richard sanchez's oh, mistake right. was really terrible and you should go watch it it's the first of many torture mistakes in mls this week yeah all right with that We'll, we'll take a quick break, go off, pause this podcast, watch the video of Richard Sanchez's mistake, and then come back for part two of We Call It Soccer. All right, w welcome back to We Call It Soccer, part two of our show now, where we're continuing with our top 
step segment talking about MLS at the moment. Houston beat Colorado 2-0. Weekly question here at We Got Let's Soccer in 2018, initiated by Caleb several weeks ago, was... Hey guys, is Colorado good? Turns out no. Really no. No, not at all. Yeah, no. so much. When I first no. asked that question, it wasn't today. Like, they're yeah. so bad. Nine games lost in a row in all competitions. They lost their US Open Cup game to... Uh, I'm losing it right now. Nashville. Some, Nashville. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Minnesota United B at this point. Yeah. yeah. You don't really need to go look at um, Colorado's form table. I'll just summarize it for you. L L L L L L L L L L L. Just, just keep writing L's and 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 create whatever record of losing streaks you want because it's probably true at this point. In or, all competitions, they have one shot on target in 180 minutes. Right. This is. Atrocious from Colorado. They are. They should be ashamed of themselves. The fans are up in up in arms about this situation, and something needs to change. As they should be. Yeah. Right. And bringing in Sam Nicholson, not the solution. Well, it's not when you play him as an inverted left wing back. Yeah, he is not an inverted left wing back. He's a left winger. No. Right. Yeah. He, Which is different than an inverted left wing back. Yeah. He yeah. is definitely not invertible. <laughs> right. No. No. Few human beings are. Few human yeah. beings are. So, uh, the Houston getting two goals. I mean, great that that happens. Yeah. Uh, just two big mistakes by Blomberg. Um, yeah, Colorado uh, has the ball taken off of him for the first goal, and then uh, Thomas Bob Martinez Beasley in the, in the box. Yeah. yeah. Watch Thomas Martinez's dribble. I mean, yeah, Blomberg totally fucked up, but that was a very good dribble to get in. Seattle. Beat DC United 2-1 in Seattle. And uh, this came on the back of a U.S. Open Cup loss to Sacramento for Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have a full strength lineup in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, it's obviously disappointing for them, but their fortress should be on the lead at this point with them being, I think, still bottom of the West, even with this win. Um, but Nicholas Lodero's equalizing goal is a nice shot from outside the box on off the half volley there. Goal of the week for me, I think. Oh, yeah, I think Beautiful. so, too. Um, yeah. yeah. Seattle's back in their winning ways after a three-game losing streak, but they still need a lot of help and a lot more confidence going forward. And, I mean, when you beat DC United pre-Wayne Rooney when you're at home... It, it it's not that confidence inducing. No, no. Rooney is rumored to be signing a three-year deal with them at the moment. But I also wanted to point out this year, Clint Dempsey has started seven out of eight games that he's played for Seattle this season. That's I I, I did not think he was starting that much for them, but he is. It's pretty crazy. So, uh, LA Galaxy. Getting three goals over RSL in Carson. Zlatan Ibrahimovic scoring two headers in this game. One with the assist from Nick Romando. Who, uh, again, is not on his team. No, Should yeah. Should be pointed out. I, I don't think he knew that because he went up for a punch and just kind of went straight up in the air right to Zlatan's head. Um, maybe he thought he was playing basketball and he was giving a nice layup for a dunk. Yeah, maybe. maybe. It is kind of the equivalent of an alley-oop in soccer. Yeah. Uh, Galaxy went three nothing. Uh, Zlatan with two. Tomorrow with one. At the end, just 
adding on to the list of goalkeeper mistakes in MLS this week. Portland played SKC and ended nil-nil. Yawn. Yep, yep. Insert real or force yawns there. San Jose playing LAFC and in, in our game of the week. Yeah, the game yeah, of the absolutely. week. The score ending 3-4 to LA, who are playing away. Yeah. Uh, I mean, each of these goals were fantastic in their own, own right. Uh, Vaco with a nice little deft touch to finish for San Jose was canceled out quickly by Diamande. Um, Beta Shore with the weird deflection defender finishes past uh, Tarbell. And then Wando. I mean, I give Wando a lot of shit in this podcast. A, a lot. A lot of shit. And he scored from... I mean, he scored from not five feet in front of the goal, so that's probably why he scored. Boom, so got it in. <laughs> but his goal well, was I mean, fantastic. Yeah, though to be fair, that was a very, very errant cross by him. <laughs> you don't think he was going no. for goal there? No, really? No. Okay, okay. Um, and then adding on to the list, uh, Tyler Miller... It's a back pass. Decides to try to take it out of his own box. Gets easily tackled by Chris Wondolowski, a striker who's not known for his tackling because he's a striker, not a defender. Then just passes it into the open net. But then just chaos happens. Uh, this scores his second goal of the game of a free kick. Then 97th plus minutes. Uh, I think there was three minutes at a time. It got extended for a red card to a San Jose player. Uh, Latif Blessing finds John Moutinho in the box. And he just dribbles it into the far post. Hashtag scenes. Shirts off. He's celebrating. 4-3 LAFC away to San Jose. And what is this derby called? I don't even know anymore right now. Something. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it, I don't know. Something to do with California. Probably. I mean, probably the surfer derby or some crap like that. Um, yeah, let's just call it that from now. It's the surfer derby. All right, okay. cool. Yeah, I don't even know this right on, in San Jose. But. These highlights are intense and fantastic. And if you can find uh, just even an abridged version of the game, uh, go watch it. All right, NWSL News. There was just one game this week. Sky Blue and Washington Spirit getting the nil-nil tie. So what I want to share with you is two bits of news. First of all, sisters Tori and Maddie Hunter have made history as the first sisters to ever play on the same NWSL team. And they're currently with the Washington Spirit. Pretty neat. Right on. And then the NWSL has also announced dramatic changes to its television schedule. I, and the dramatic comes from the article in which I got this. I think it's a nice change, but I don't think it's very dramatic. It's five games that they're taking from Lifetime, Lifetime and putting on to ESPN News. It's going to be the same announcers and uh, kind of similar style, but uh, bigger market. I think I might get that it. channel too, so that's fantastic. I yeah, mean, it's not I, Lifetime. I get Lifetime and I don't get ESPN News, so... Well, you just have to come over for some games. Right on. There we go. Uh, okay, let's now move into our next segment that we call Get Low. Let's get low and get to our wrap-up of U.S. Lower Leagues Soccer. First up, U.S. Open Cup, where RSL was defeated 2-0 by SKC. The only important thing about this game that I wanted to point out to you is it's the first time brothers Matt and Nick, Nick Beasler have played each other since they have both been in the MLS together. Yeah, so. that's cool. Yeah. It's pretty neat. Sacramento defeating Seattle 2-1. As you mentioned, Caleb, it was a 
depleted lineup. Sounders, too, have been pretty terrible this year in USL, if I remember right. So this was not a surprising result. No. Uh, also unsurprising was Louisville beating New England Revolution 3-2. Brian Ombi scoring a beautiful goal in 63rd minute. I would suggest you go find this highlight because it was the winning goal and just a gorgeous shot. Uh, this game inspired the Nutmeg News headline, Louisville City Avoid Cup Set as the USL champion advances over reserve side New England Revolution. Ouch. If uh, if Robert Kraft had feelings and wasn't just a robot made of football players. A robot who loves Meek Mill. Yeah. It's really weird. Really? What? Yeah. No, don't, don't well, I was going to finish my sentence. If he was a real human being, he would actually care and be hurt by this headline that I just read out earlier. But what he, Robert Kraft likes Meek Mill. Yeah. This just, it looks up afterwards. It's, yeah. it's, it's a weird story. Uh, Robert Kraft liking rap. Okay. That's, that is weird. I, I would I would have I would thought there was a higher chance of a cup of Kraft mac and cheese liking rap than Robert Kraft, but okay. Red Bull New York defeat New York City FC four nil in the U.S. Open Cup, and NYCFC at this point have lost all four U.S. Open Cup games they have ever played in. The first of these four, the first two of these four rather, were losses to the Cosmos. R.I.P. in peace. There is actual talk about Patrick Vieira not being a good manager, in part because of his poor U.S. Open Cup record. That is atrocious. Look at his records. He's number one in a bunch of managerial records in MLS. Anyway, moving on. Uh, speaking of form, things that used to be in the NASL, like the Cosmos, Bill Edwards... He of the Tampa Bay Rowdies has said he will expand Alang Stadium to an 18,000-seater capacity no matter what happens with MLS, whether they choose to give Tampa Bay an expansion or not. So I mean, it's looking like they're not going to give the expansion, but it's good news for Tampa Bay fans. I think they have a good fan base down there, and they can I'm, get behind that team. I, I, what? Go you're ahead. right, and I, I'm just saying I'm, I'm super ready for the USL heel turn where they decide to challenge MLS for D1 soccer in this country. I'm so ready for that. Um, and then, then they appoint uh, Bill Peterson as their commissioner. The Cosmos are back. Traffic sports <laughs> is involved again. It's like the greatest hits, you know? Just Rocker comes out. No, it'll happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nashville SC has also now sold... By the way, National and USL, I should say, has sold more than 6,110 season tickets, breaking the record for a USL team in its inaugural season, previously held by FC Cincinnati. Take that. And USL also denied an expansion application for the poorly named San Diego Pro Soccer Team, 1904 SC. But it made so much sense because S is the 19th letter and D is the fourth letter. So why not? So no, it's so it was great. the Anchorman code. I am absolutely. It had to have been the Anchorman code. Yeah, it is atrocious. So uh, two USL games we should talk about: North Carolina Texas Ranger loses to FC Cincinnati by two goals. Both goals were off of parried save rebounds off of Alex Tambakis. Even more goalkeeper errors. Seriously. Just hold the ball, man. Um, FC Cincinnati um, take a three-point lead out east. And then Tampa Bay Rowdies, speaking of them, also speaking of Nashville, 1-1 tie in Matt Pickens' homecoming game. Comes back to the Rowdies and gets five saves. And saves a kid's balloon from flying away. That is, that's actually that like was hero yeah, level. Amazingly His best save of the, of the night. Yes. 
you've posted the USL table down here. And after we talk about that, I'd like to actually talk about the MS, MSL, MLS table briefly, if we might, as well. So what's up with the USL first? So um, out in the West, Real Monarchs, once again, are pacing the field. They've got a game in hand over their closest rivals, and yet are still ahead by about five points over Timbers 2 and Phoenix Rising. Um, in the East, as we mentioned, FC Cincinnati lead Louisville City. Um, Louisville does have a couple of games in hand. Uh, Pittsburgh, Charlotte, and Red Bulls 2, and Nashville, and Charleston are all within six points. Pretty much that's your that's your playoff teams at yeah. this point. Is, uh, just a quick question. Is Phoenix Rising, uh, are they affiliated with any MLS side? No. Okay, just... Sorry, yeah. I wanted it out of the way. Okay. Although they did lose their coach this week. Um, he was announced as the new head of the Egyptian side, Al-Ali. Okay. Good for him. Uh, going back sequentially, first of all, NWSL table update. North Carolina Courage still running away with uh, having terrible bigoted players on their team. So they're number one in that regard. There's only one of them as far as we know. That's one more it's, than most other teams. Yeah, it's, it's so, one yeah. more than there should be. Right. Wait, where's Jeff Cameron playing? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Stoke City, I believe, still. Anyway, uh, so the card's still at the top of the NWSL table with 30 points and 12 games played. At this point, I think it's safe to say that they are running away with the NWSL title. And in re- the relegation spot... No, I'm kidding. There's no relegation spot. Sky Blue FC is at the bottom with two points after 10 games. Wow. That's terrible. That's not good. That's your reason for relegation, right? Do they Are they playing like 11 Demidov sisters or something as their... You mean Demidova? <laughs> Demidova, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That That's like the thing nightmares are made of. Okay. Anyway, um, moving on. Let's go and talk about MLS standings. David... Formerly offensive Loons fan, David Martin of the Dave's I Know, pointed this out on Twitter and was like, why isn't anybody talking about this? So (laughs) guess what? I'm stealing it. Uh, FC Dallas has the highest points per game in the entire MLS right now with 2.07. They've been kind of sneaky good. They haven't really been very flashy, but they've been doing the job done uh, both home and away. So good for them. Um, Solid goalkeeping from both Jesse Gonzalez and Jimmy Maurer. Um, and Maturity's back in the goals, so it's yeah. a, a winning combination for Dallas. I think the surprise for me this year is that from last year's excellent teams, only New York City FC is still doing really well. Uh, we, we've seen the Chicago Fire kind of struggling. Their points per game are just about around where we are. And uh, Seattle Sounders, 0.9%. points per game, which is lower than ours as well. I mean, Seattle, I do definitely blame on injuries more than just things falling apart as they got older. But, you know, it's perhaps not that surprising that a team that is trotting out Clint Dempsey, Chad Marshall, Ozzy Alonso that they're starting to struggle. I think the more difficult question is what's leading to Toronto doing so poorly because they're actually, their record that's, is only that's marginally in- better than Seattle. Yeah, it, that's injuries. It's injuries uh, combined with counter um r- rotation. Josie Altador has been out for a while now and I don't think Gio is fully healthy. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the back line has also been nicked up for them. Yeah, pretty much all season. I think if you go between Toronto and Seattle, who's most likely to make the playoffs at this point, is Toronto still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think another big story this year is that LAFC is doing quite well. They are currently third in the West, which yeah. is fantastic. And they're not. It's, it's, it's bad to say they're not that flashy. I mean, Vales has scored some pretty great goals. But if you look at this past game, it's Betashore, Diamande, and Martino, the guy they picked in the first in the Super Draft, have all scored. And it's just these players that have, they're, I think they're building very well and building towards the future with these young players, uh, Martino and uh, Mark Anthony K. Um, Going forward, I'd be interested to see how those two players kind of keep going mm-hmm. with the long schedule. And I want to see if um, we can keep this up because, I mean, Lawrence Amon is not who he used to be. He's yeah. still old. And their Marcus Zimmerman still shaky. Tyler Miller is still not a very well-tested goalie at this point. We saw his, his uh, mistake in San Jose. They're doing very well, but I don't think they're I'm you're gonna hate me for saying this notch but I don't think they're as good as Atlanta was last year <laughs> as far as expansion teams go right or, or this year yeah but anyway uh, we, we should move on with our get low segment before our time is up for today uh, we have the NPSL North roundup from Colin yeah um, a couple of games of note uh, midweek game between Duluth FC and VSLT um, Sad Los Trapos win 1-0 on a 94th minute winner for Mauricio Mendoza. Um, I was at the uh, Minneapolis City uh, beatdown of Eris, and they were celebrating the fact that they were top of the table. And then 10 minutes later, when they finally got the tweet that said that VSLT won at the last second, that was sad. Uh, Minneapolis City did go down to Rochester on the weekend to beat Med City 2-1. Uh, the Crows are now one of the 11 teams in MPSL nationwide undefeated on the season. Um, They're also showing up on most of the power rankings of MPSL teams nowadays. Uh, American Soccer Pyramid had them as the fourth best MPSL team in the country. All right, let's now move into a segment that we call The System Only Dreams in Total Darkness. Let's get national and discuss the latest from the U.S. national teams. First up, Ernie Stewart has been named the U.S. Soccer General Manager. It remains to be seen exactly what that means in practice. Great intentions, but, and Ernie Stewart, certainly someone who has the experience for that role, has the global know how, but. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it'll more open up more once he names a head coach and then how their partnership goes on throughout their tenure there. I don't want to discuss this right now, but it's rumored that he's looking for Louis Van Hal. So anyway, oh, God. Oh, God, no. Okay, let's let's talk about no. real quick about the fact that the U.S. men's national team led for most of the game against, well, not most of the game, like twenty minutes, but yeah. still, it was a while. It felt like most of the game. They led most of the game. They led more France. than France did. Yeah, exactly. They there we certainly go. did. Uh, yeah, led led France from a Julian Green goal in the first half, to which my woo, my response woo. to that goal. Yeah. Going in was chugga, Julian chugga, Green's chugga, actually chugga, playing chugga, this game. Chugga hype train. Yeah, come join Colin and I and uh, former 
host Jeff Reuter on the Julian Dream hype train. Um, tickets are very cheap still, but they're getting a little bit pricier after that goal in France. They're getting like maybe f- a half a euro more expensive. I'd like to think that somewhere Jurgen Klinsmann was in a bed like oxygen tubes in his nose, like IVs. And then as that <laughs> goal went in, much. a smile came upon his face and he breathed his last and was like, my time has come. Like you know, he's, he's so wait. You're still very much that, alive. You're hoping that Klinsman just died. <laughs> no, in that scenario, what, what happened the is fuck is wrong with you, sir? Julian Green scored, and then he went, <gasps> and then pulled all the tubes out. And went, I'm going to France, and then like flew in for right. second half. There, there, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mbappe equalized for France and took away all the wind in our sails. But do Mbappe, do Mbappe. Yeah, and it was coming. But I think I think the big story from this game is Zach Steffen, who, in my opinion, has cemented his place as USMNT number one goalkeeper. He better shave his head soon. Yeah, here yeah, exactly. Or either either should shave his head, or nature's going to take his course and take that hair very quickly. Once oh. you're named number one for US men's national team, you lose your hair immediately. There you go. So excellent saves. Go watch. There's a highlight reel of just his performance in this game. Well worth it. The US women's national team wins two games against. China. Yep. Um, on Thursday, Alex Morgan with the lone goal in uh, about halfway through the second half. Um, then just tonight, uh, Megan Rapino scores right before halftime. Um, the U.S. concedes, and then two minutes later, Tobin Heath gets the winner. 2-1 victory. The U-17 women's national team has won the CONCACAF U-17 championship and qualified for the U-17 World Cup. Yep. Um, the tournament was um, postponed due to some civil unrest in Nicaragua back in April. We talked about this on the pod. Uh, very scary situation then. Um, they moved it to the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Um, the U.S. swept the group and then won both their semifinal against Haiti and the final against Mexico 3-2 in each Let's now move into a segment we call The Transfer. Step back, doors closing. Get your transfer ticket because we're switching lines in this segment where we cover soccer transfers from the world over. Uh, Atletico Madrid signs Thomas Lamar, uh, the long-wanted uh, winger by uh, Arsenal and Liverpool alike. Um, Antoine Griezmann, uh, rumored to have his decision by the World Cup, and is also rumored to be staying at Atletico, which is... Surprising, honestly. Yeah, watch this space, though. Who knows what happens after the World Cup? Things things could change a bit. Sporting in Portugal has had a very, very eventful year. And this is a story that goes back to their president, Bruno de Carvalho, who was named president at the start of this season, this season that just ended. And he was a former ultra. He's a bit of a kook. He is the... Um, who was that Toronto mayor who was a nutcase? Uh, Rob Ford. Yeah, he's the Rob Ford of soccer. Uh, the guy would send all these text messages to sporting players. And this, by the way, this this sporting side was was rumored to have been their strongest in many years, was said to be win, able to win the championship. They were going to go far. And then as soon as the pressure picked up and they were close to achieving this goal, he started sending text 
Dexter players piling pressure on them, uh, sending them threatening messages, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. They ended up finishing third in the league, as far as I know, and had an important... uh, Outside the Champions League place. Right, for Portugal, which again meant more abuse from the player. And then they had a final again in the Portuguese Cup, and ultras broke into the sporting training ground, I think we covered this on the pod, and beat up some players... And this is said to have occurred with the approval and possibly organizational help from Bruno de Carvalho. Going into all of this, Sporting had the most players in the Portuguese national team for one club. After this, they have zero because all of their players of any note, this includes Gelson Martins, Bruno Fernandes, Bas Dost, William Carvalho, Rui Patricio, Daniel Podens, um have all announced that they have terminated their contracts due to the just cause clause. Basically, they're saying that their contracts have been violated and so they have been effectively terminated and they're all leaving. So, Bruno de Carvalho has screwed sporting. They don't... There, there are some rumors of the fact that now the club is technically bankrupt because it has no assets anymore uh, that outnumber its liabilities on its balance sheet. So... It's unclear what happens from now because essentially they have lost millions of euros in value from their players just being able to terminate their contracts and walk away without providing any transfer fees. I, for one, am really excited to be signing Jelson Martins on a free transfer. I'm also very excited to be signed. Wait, wait a minute. No, <laughs> we're signing him. I thought we're signing him. Okay. Also, <laughs> listener, they're talking about Liverpool and Arsenal, not Minnesota United. Okay. Yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach Jorge Jesus has announced his resignation and has joined Al-Hilal in the Middle East. All right. First of all, Mauricio Pochettino <clears throat> re-signs, not resigns, re-signs oh, whoops. Uh, with, with Tottenham. And he did this about two minutes before Zinedine Zidane was announced to be leaving Real Madrid, at which point he tried to grab the paperwork from the other side of the table and Daniel Levy just folded it up neatly, put it into a coat pocket, walked out of the room while smoking a cigarette. And farted in the general direction. <laughs> so, um, that, that happened, I'm sure. And Harry Kane has also renewed with Tottenham. A very interesting move, uh, doing this ahead of the World Cup again. Uh, most of these moves that are happening ahead of the World Cup with people that are involved in the World Cup, I'm kind of surprised by. Uh, this includes the new Real Madrid coach being named as... Uh, Julian Lopetegui, the head coach of the Spanish national team. Yeah, that's kind of odd to do that right before the World Cup starts. So, I mean, it, it's strange to sign people before the World Cup. Weird. I didn't realize that a manager could be signed before the end of the World Cup. Right. Weird. Delaflo has Gerard Delaflo has signed with Watford. Um, Grand Potter has become manager of Swansea. We should mention that he is the former manager of Ostersons, the most successful English manager abroad in recent history, who also managed to defeat Arsenal in the Europa League this past season. I mean, you do realize that Arsenal won the tie anyway, right? But right. they defeated Arsenal at the Emirates. Yeah, this is like a no, it's just in one game. game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. So, Nebel Fekker has had a little bit of a transfer saga with Liverpool, as Caleb will explain. Yeah, uh, basically, it seems all done and dusted. He had a... Uh, Fekir had a uh, squad number Liverpool was assigned to him already, but from what I've read, that something with his knee, which he's had trouble with while he was at Lyon, 
um, kind of warded off Liverpool. Uh, the Leon president said the transfer's over. We're not going to sell him to you guys in this window. Kind of what happened to Virgil van Dijk, uh, minus injury in last year's uh, summer window. Um, I don't know if Liverpool will be going for him again. Um, if it does, it won't happen until January if he stays healthy. Um, and then that knee, something with that knee uh, troubled the Liverpool uh, higher-ups. It's now time for our segment from Russia with VAR. From Russia with VAR. I fly to you. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to run to the edge of the pitch and stare at a screen for a couple of minutes during this World Cup game. And this is, of course, our segment when we talk about World Cup news. First of all, the host of the 2026 World Cup will be announced on Wednesday. That's tomorrow. So you'll probably have heard it already before we this podcast comes out. Yeah. When I edit this tomorrow night, we're recording on Tuesday night. So. Yeah. Let, let's hope that you hear some uh, excellent, excellent news about the... Uh, Morocco bid leading to $15 billion in infrastructure spending in another country. See, I was just going to go with, who knew Antarctica could host a World Cup? I did not know that. And who knew Penguins had like millions of euros to give Gianni Infantino? I didn't know that either. (laughs) I Uh, mean, you do realize that neither option is actually one of the choices for the voters. Yes. Yes, I do know that. So... Uh, speaking of bribery, African referees have been who are due to officiate in the World Cup have been filmed taking bribes by a Ghanaian investigative journalist. One of them being Kenya's Adel Range Marva, who was uh, filmed taking a six hundred dollar gift, quote unquote. So not necessarily a bribe, but it's still against the rules for anyone to take any monetary gifts, uh, referees that for that matter. And then Ghana's, Ghana's FIFA council member, Kwesi Niantaki, who is the second most powerful man in African footballs, also caught up in a separate sting operation. He was filmed taking $65,000 in quote-unquote shopping money. Ghana has dissolved its football federation in response to this news. Great. Yeah. Well, any last-minute predictions for the World Cup, y'all? I didn't get to. Actually, I was gone, so I didn't actually get to. Yeah. Uh, who's your winner? Who do you think is going to win? Germany. Germany? I think it's going to be Germany. All right. I, I said France last time we recorded, but after that U.S. game, I think Brazil has a pretty good chance of winning. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm still going with Spain for some strange reason. I I, I haven't justified it to myself, but I think it's going to happen. All right. Well, we will see what happens starting very, very soon in this World Cup. I also want to recap for you the international game that I was able to attend while I was off in Europe. Yeah, that's right. Austria and Germany. Austria's first number Germany in 32 years, I believe. Yes. Yes. It was incredible. We paid a lot of money to go to this game. First of all, because it was held in southern Austria in the city called Klagenfurt. Tiny little place of like, I think, 50,000 people in, in the Alps. And the stadium abuts the Alps. So as you walk into the concourse, basically, if you turn around, it's going up the stairs. You're looking at the Alps behind you. It's really cool. But getting there from Vienna was pretty expensive. And then the tickets were also pretty damn expensive. This is like Germany's last World Cup tune-up. So they're not exactly going to be cheap tickets. 
the problem with all this was that the rain and hail was really heavy when we got in. So it was there's a famous picture of Manuel Neuer warming up on the pitch with hail hitting his face. And it's super hilarious. Go look that up. They had to call off the kickoff twice. They had one last shot. It was supposed to kick off, I think, at like 5.30. It kicked off finally at 7. Their last chance for kickoff. Incredible experience to be there. Austria on the back foot for the first 20 minutes. There was kind of this air of inevitability that they were going to get screwed. Germany pressing every single Austrian position and possession and getting the ball back. And then something just changed. And you saw Austria taking the ball into Germany's half, getting lots of great shots. The stadium exploded when Austria got its first goal. And when they got the, the winner scored, I mean, the place could not keep silent anymore. It was, it was, the atmosphere was pretty wild. I will say I expected more loudness and noise and just general fan atmosphere for a, uh, a game of this much importance, even if it was a friendly between two big rivals. It, there was this kind of collegiality. You saw German fans sitting among the Austrian fans. Um, and so like the people sitting next to me, the mom, I think it was a mom and her son. The mom was like an Austria fan and the son was a Germany fan. And I mean, he was cheering the Germany goal among like a large group of Austrian fans. So like it was, it was interesting to kind of be in that atmosphere. And I'm not saying that's wrong in terms of the fans being interspersed. I'm just saying that there was less kind of um, intensity of feeling, I think. I figured out that there's a song called I Am From Austria from 1990. It sounds like a song from 1990 with like a synthesizer <laughs> from then. And it's like a, a song in German for the most part by an Austrian singer. And then they played in the stadium and it cuts out right when he says in English, I am from Austria. And the whole stadium sings along. It's like their wonder wall. They played before the game at halftime. They played after the game. It's really funny. Uh... I will say, and I posted this on Twitter, the Austrian fans did a wave multiple times during the game organized by the ultras and by the stadium announcer. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I think the wave is fun as hell. Everyone enjoyed themselves. Uh, so get get out of here with all that crank. This is not a soccer thing stuff. It happens the world over. Caleb disagreeing right now. You can't see him, of course. I don't like the wave. That's fine. Yeah, I just don't like it. Yeah, fine. Same here. At any sporting event, not just soccer. Yeah, I think any. it's fun. I think it's fun. But uh, the uh, the Austrian ultras, uh, led by a capo with a handheld mic, whose uh, chants were coming down through the stadium PA, leading some chants, uh, some interesting stuff in German that I would butcher if I tried to recreate here. Uh, Leroy Sané was, in fact, quite disappointing in this game, so it's not hard to see why he was dropped by the German national team. And um, I'm trying to think of other things that I can share. Merchandising, not as big a deal as it is in the U.S. There was barely any merch being sold for the Austrian national team or the German team. There was one split scarf that was being sold in a few places, but that's about it. So there wasn't this kind of push where you see in American stadiums just merch everywhere. None of that. So that was kind of interesting. And it's just fun. It was, it was a good time. I'm really glad I went. Um, great experience. Yay, soccer. Yeah, exactly. All right, with that, it's now time for to move into our last segment of this show, a segment that we call Soccer Things. Where Colin dips into the deep, dark corners of the soccer world to bring you stories you won't and shouldn't believe. 
So I wanted to pick up on something that has been discussed a little bit within the Minnesota United Twitter sphere. Um, that would be Maximiano's prodigious amount of yellow cards. Um, in the league itself, he has received four yellows in 106 minutes, which means that he would almost have gotten himself sent off twice in each 90-minute game. I'm I'm perplexed as to how he manages to do this, aside from, you know, maybe the fact that he's recovering from a knee injury, learning the pace of play in a completely different league, and probably is also being told to be kind of an enforcer because he's a number six and that's what you're supposed to do. Glad but, we got that sorted out. Okay, next thing, let's go to the credits. Thanks for joining. Oh, wait, you're not done. No, no. Um, okay. I found something a little bit more insidious than that, though. Well, all right. It turns out that Maximiano has donated $7 per each card to the Dark Clouds Charity Car Club. Hmm. So he likes charity. Good for him. Bastard. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) I'm not the only one that knows about this. MLS also has heard about this, and they are concerned that this is going to be kind of one of those Pete Rose situations where even though, yeah, he was betting on his own team to win, it's still a problem that he's got a financial stake in the outcome of his performances. It is betting. Watch watch this space. Maximiano might actually get suspended by MLS because they fear that he is trying to game the system in order to get himself to donate more money to charity. So so now this is obviously a result of sports betting being legalized in, in America, yes. Is it is... sports betting when you're just giving the money away to charity instead of like betting on something to get it back? I, I have no idea. I don't I know. mean if he was betting on himself to get sent off every single game, that that would be kind of an issue, but I as far as I'm aware, uh, they're not looking to expand soccer prop betting to include red cards. Okay. So. All right. Cool. Well, good to know. We'll keep track of this story and bring you more as it develops. But for now, I would like you, two of you sitting across from me in this room, my living room, to tell the listener where they can find you on Twitter. I'm at Tay Olson 716 I'm also a writer for 551. You can check out some of uh, the staff's uh, World Cup predictions that I kind of spearheaded uh, coming out soon. I don't know when you're listening to this, but if it's not already out, it should be soon. You can find me at The Attachment. I can also find my writing over at E Pluribus Lunum. Last week, I posted a pretty lengthy article correlating a few um, key metrics to the teams that were uh, leading in the points per game race. And comparing Minnesota United's performance in those metrics to the leaders. Not pretty. Just just saying. You can find me at TW United Fans. You can find this podcast on fine podcast providers everywhere. Please do tell your friends to listen. And we do enjoy having more listeners on our show. And with that, we'll say goodbye to you. We shall return after a week with another episode of We Call It Soccer. Feel-